Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Happy Independence Day! Is it too early to say that? It's okay with your family if I say Happy Independence Day? We'll see whether or not by the end of the sermon it's too early or not, okay? We'll see. But uh, as you may remember, we are kind of going through our values. We're going through our whole life family values, and I I need somebody to volunteer to tell me our whole life family values. Anybody want to raise their hand, be brave, and tell me our whole life family values? Wow. I'm going to pick on somebody. Please don't do it. No, don't do that. Hey, uh, why, don't, why don't we go ahead and have you do the family values, if you, if you don't mind? Would you be okay with doing that? Okay, we're okay with it. Here we go. So love. Yeah. Acceptance. Right. Forgiveness. Grace, the Bible, yes. and worship, participation. I am so impressed with that. I'm going to give you a limited edition, limited edition, hat, less than 50 of those in existence. All right. And for those of you at home, if you wanted to see what that hat looks like right there, that's what it looks like. And you're thinking, man, I should have come to church and I could get a hat. Hey, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get one of these hats. All you have to do is be the first person to put our family values in the chat in the correct order, and I'm going to send it to you wherever you're at. All right? Okay. So there we go. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and uh, talk about our main topic today. It's the forgiveness part of our values. We've talked already about love and acceptance. And what I'm hoping that you're kind of catching on to is that each one of these flows into the next one. Are you catching that? They're all very interconnected. If you don't have love, it's very hard to practice acceptance. And I want you to see today that if you don't have love and acceptance, it's very hard to forgive. I think that that's one of the beauties of the Christian faith, is the emphasis that's placed on forgiveness. I think it's one of the beautiful things about our faith. And this holiday weekend, I wanted to talk to you about a character from the American Revolution. I'm going to suggest and guess that you may have never heard this man's name before. His name is Peter Miller. How many of you are familiar with Peter Miller from the American Revolution? Heard that name before? Maybe, no, no, no hands up. Okay, well, today you're about to learn something. That's always good. Peter Miller is actually a very, very accomplished theologian and scholar. And Peter was asked by Thomas Jefferson to actually translate the Declaration of Independence into seven different languages. And it's one of the ways that they actually distributed the Declaration of Independence around the world so that the rest of the world could hear the United States' reasons 
for declaring their independence. And so Peter was very instrumental in it. You probably have never heard that before, but he translated the Declaration of Independence into seven different languages. So he was very well known to many of those uh, who are part of that group of people that brought about American independence. Well, as the uh, struggle went on, uh, you may have heard of that uh, famous Valley Forge. Remember Valley Forge? Uh, Not a particularly great time for the Continental Army. They were going through a lot of trouble. And one of the pieces that became very problematic was that there were a lot of British sympathizers. They were known as Tories. Um, and these people would actually uh, send information back to the British about what was happening in Washington's camp. And one of those people was caught. His name is Michael Widman. Michael actually lived in the same general community as Peter Miller. They knew each other. And when they caught Michael Widman, he was put on trial. And in some accounts, in some accounts, they say that Washington himself sentenced Widman. Because as the trial continued on, it became very clear that Widman had passed on material help to the British that was instrumental in them uh, doing some things that weren't particularly great for the Revolutionary Army. And so Washington sentenced Widman to hang, which was the standard thing for a traitor for somebody who is, who is acting that way. Well, the night before Whitman was to hang, Peter Miller had heard about Whitman's predicament. And Peter Miller was at this time an older man. And by some accounts, he walked as far as 20 miles that day through snow to get to where General Washington was at. He asked to see Washington. Washington knew who he was and was happy to grant him because, because Peter Miller was the leader of a group of Seventh-day Baptists who were providing hospital care for Continental soldiers besides the, the work he'd done with the Declaration of Independence. So Washington says, sure, come on in. So Peter comes in and he says to Washington, he says, hey, um, I need you to pardon Michael Widman. I'm asking you because of who you know I am. I'm not saying the man isn't guilty, but what I am saying, for my sake, I am asking you to pardon this man. And Washington said, you know, uh, Peter, I'd do just about anything for you. I have great respect for you. But we're in a war. And if we're going to pardon people who do what Michael Widman does, it's going to only make those people more bold in their efforts. They're going to betray us more. They're going to have more because they'll just know they're going to get off. So as much as I would like to help your friend out, I simply can't do it. Peter Miller said, oh, you don't understand. Friend? No, no. Michael Whitman is no friend of mine. He's my greatest enemy. You see, Peter Miller had broken off from the church that Michael Widman was a part of, and Michael Widman hated him for it. Michael Widman sent all kinds of bad stories, gossip about Peter Miller. There are accounts that that Michael Widman struck and physically assaulted Peter Miller. And Peter Miller said to General Washington, you see, he's assaulted me and he's spit in my face. No, he's no friend. He's my enemy. But for that very reason, 
I'm here to ask. If you were a friend, I might not be here. But because I take the Lord's word seriously to pray for your enemies and to do good that treat, to those who treat you badly, I'm here to ask for his pardon. And as the legend goes, Washington teared up and said, how can I say no? And it was a profound moment for Washington. He signed, he signed the pardon. And again, as the tale goes, Peter Miller walked 20 more miles that evening to be there on time to present the pardon to the executioner the next morning in their community so Michael Widman would live. And he did. I want you to stop for a moment and think about the definition of forgiveness. I borrowed this uh, definition from Patsy Rodriguez, who did a seminar at one of my churches on forgiveness. And unfortunately, um, Patsy is one of the casualties of COVID-19. But Patsy did this this definition, I've really liked it, so I'm using it here. Forgiveness is a decision to give up your perceived or actual right to get even with or hold in debt someone who's wronged you. I want you to take a moment and think about someone that would fit that definition most recently in your life. I'm not asking for the person who's hurt you the worst, but I'm asking you to think, when was the last time Somebody hurt you. Somebody wronged you. Somebody's in your debt, and you may have an actual right to collect. You have that in your mind? If you do, I'm going to go ahead and invite you um, to stand with me, actually, right now. You can stand up where you're at. It's okay. I know it's a little scary, but we're, we're going to do this together. It'll be good. I need everybody to stand up. You may have noticed that I didn't start off with prayer today. So what I'd like us to do is actually say the Lord's Prayer together. Can you do that with me? So I'd like you to read it while we stand together. And this will be our our opening prayer. So let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Stay standing. I want you to see the visual here. If when I asked you to think of somebody who has wronged you, you could think of no one because you have never been wronged by anybody in your life, you can sit down. For those of you who may be at home, nobody's sitting down. So now what I'd like to ask is if the wrong that you thought of was in the last week, would you sit down? If the wrong that you thought of or that person was in the last week, how about the last month? Year? decade. (laughs) You can sit down. I think that if we really think about it, we get wronged on a pretty, pretty regular basis. 
There's the ones that really stand out to us, the deep wounds. Those are the ones we think about. But every week, there are hurtful things that are said to us. Slights at work. People who cut us off in traffic. And that's why I think forgiveness is such a central part of Jesus' discussion with his disciples and in the Gospels. It's because hurt and pain caused by others is a central part of the human experience. Sometimes we like to bury it up and deny it. Oh, that didn't hurt me. But what happens is is when we don't actually own it, it builds up inside of us. And we see it kind of express itself. Little explosions. We think, why did that person do that right there? It's because there is hurt and pain that they're dealing with. Hurt and pain caused by others is central to our human experience. And that's why I think Jesus spends a little bit of time talking about it. Did it bother you at all when you read those words in Matthew 6, verse 12? And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us? Yeah. That can be a really challenging Really, really challenging verse. And to add uh, some insult to injury, Matthew, unlike the other gospel writers, actually decides he wants to highlight it. Because in verses 11 and 12, he says, um, sorry, that's not the the one that I thought it was going to be. So anyway, uh, I don't know where it went. We're going to find it later. All right. In, the, in those verses, Jesus actually says, uh, Matthew adds at the end of the Lord's Prayer, and if he highlights it again, if you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I wonder if Matthew maybe had a special uh, place for forgiveness in his heart as a tax collector. <laughs> kind of wanted to be like, hey guys, you really do need to forgive. Jesus, remember Jesus said that? Yeah, please be forgiving. And if you don't, you could be in trouble. These are the words of Jesus, though. Jesus said this. And I think it's really worth us thinking for a moment about that. That Jesus puts this deep, deep, deep emphasis on being able to forgive. Connecting it to God's forgiveness. I struggle with that a little bit if I'm honest with you, because there are some people in my life who have wounded me so much that I struggle with forgiving. There are people who have hurt me to the point where I don't even want to want to forgive. But I want to suggest to you that Jesus' prayer offers the answer to this. That Jesus wouldn't just leave us out there hanging, being like, hey, good luck. I hope you can figure out how to forgive. I've got grace for everything else, but if you can't forgive, sorry, that's where grace doesn't go. Grace goes everywhere. Grace goes everywhere. And I think the little answer is found here. As I was studying this text, what really jumped out to me that hadn't jumped out to me before is a three-letter word in there. You see it? Give us today the food we need There's not a period after that. Now, I know this is a little bit of semantics because there wasn't actually punctuation in the Greek language that this was written in. 
but what's significant about it is that in the Greek that it was written in, the word and is there. These two are connected. And is a connecting word, isn't it? So why does Jesus connect, give us today the food we need to forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us? I want to suggest to you that the reason why Jesus does this is because just like he provides our daily food, Jesus wants to provide to us forgiveness. It is not yours to do. It is his to do. And as you allow him to put that into your heart, even when you don't feel it, you open up your heart and say, Jesus, you do this. Jesus will help you through that. Now, with all that said, I want to share a couple basic concepts of forgiveness with you that I think are important for us to understand. First, forgiving is not a way to avoid pain, but it's rather a way to heal pain. Did you catch that? It's not a way to avoid pain. If you want to address forgiveness in your life, it will cause pain. It's like anything other pain in our life. Sometimes to get to the root of it, it takes a little bit more pain to deal with it. If you want to take care of a cavity to get rid of that pain, you're going to need to go see a dentist. Secondly, we forgive people what they are, what they've done, but not for who they are. This goes to the acceptance part. We accept people as is. We forgive the things they do. We cannot forgive unless we first blame the person who's wrong. Now, that sounds unchristian, doesn't it? How can we blame people? But blame is important. A lot of times when people perpetrate, you can't blame me for, yes, I can. I have to. In order for me to actually forgive something, we have to name it. You can't tame it till you name it. So we have to name it. We're not excusing the person we forgive. We actually blame the person and forgive them for that. Forgiving is a journey. The deeper the wound, the longer the journey usually takes. Some people, there's profound stories, they forgive immediately. But you know what? By and large, my experience is that the more you're hurt, the longer it takes to forgive. And the point is, are you on the journey, not where are you at in the journey? When Jesus says, forgive your debts, I think he's saying, where are you at in the journey? Are you headed there? The next thing is the perpetrator doesn't get to decide how quickly forgiveness should happen. If I were to stab you and two minutes later say, hey, you really need to stop bleeding, we'd all know that was ridiculous. But I hear this all the time. People come into my office, somebody who's been abusive to another person, they said, I said I was sorry, why won't they forgive me? Well, you stabbed them, they're still bleeding. You don't get to decide when another person has to forgive you. That's between them and God. Your job, if you hurt somebody, is to say that you're sorry, and may I add, make restitution. That's a biblical concept. It's not enough to just say you're sorry. There is action involved in this to make things right. Finally, forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation. A lot of times we get these things confused and we think, I haven't really forgiven somebody because I'm not back in relationship with them. Well, the people that were driving nails into Jesus' uh, hands and feet on the cross were forgiven, but there probably wasn't reconciliation at that moment because they hadn't accepted it. So reconciliation and forgiveness are not the same thing. These are two different processes. And now finally, we do not forgive because we're supposed to, but we forgive so that we can be healed. And this clip from the uh, movie, The Interpreter, 
I think is a beautiful illustration of that. What about rage? Of all the people that I've looked into since this thing started, the one with the darkest Zuwani history is you. It was his landmines that killed you. We don't name the dead. Everyone who loses somebody wants revenge on someone on God if they can't find anyone else. But in Africa, Imachopo the coup believed that the only way to end grief is to save a life. If someone is murdered, a year of mourning ends with a ritual that we call the drowning mantra. There's an all-night party beside a river at dawn. The killer is put in a boat, he's taken out on the water, and he's dropped, he's bound so that he can't swim. The family of the dead then has to make a choice. They can let him drown or they can swim out and save him. The coup believe that if the family lets the killer drown, they'll have justice but spend the rest of their lives in mourning. But if they save him, if they admit that life isn't always just, that very act can take away their sorrow. Vengeance is a lazy form of grief. Did you catch that last line? Vengeance is a lazy form of grief. Think on that one for a little while. Family, I'm looking forward to talking more to you about forgiveness um, when we move into 2022. We've got a series coming up. I've only skimmed the surface today. We're going to do an actual service on, series on this because forgiveness is such a difficult thing. If you're struggling with it, I don't want you to be discouraged today. I want you to know that, that pastors struggle with forgiveness. We struggle with hurt. And it's sometimes tempting when we read those words in the Lord's Prayer and in other places in the gospel that if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. It's tempting to feel hopeless. I can't forgive. I can't do that. I'm hurting too much. But I want to encourage you that the only thing that I would encourage you to do if you're in that place, if you can't find the will to forgive, is just simply to say, Jesus, I admit I can't do that. Please help me to find it. And then you'll be on the journey. And that's what God is looking for in your life. I want to suggest to you that freedom is found in forgiveness, as that video clip beautifully illustrated. There's freedom for the one being forgiven, but there's also freedom for the one doing the forgiven, forgiving. Freedom is never easily gained or kept, but it's always worth the struggle. Just as the duration of any war is uncertain, so is the duration of the journey to forgiveness. But let us not surrender and give up on freedom. With the power that's found in Jesus' template for prayer, let's invite the Holy Spirit to create God's kingdom in us and that his will will be done through us, trusting us that he'll give us for today what we need, that he'll never be early, he'll never be late, that in his rescue of us from the temptation to not forgive. I pray that you're able to forgive those who have hurt you, and when that happens, I truly want to wish you a happy Independence Day.
All right. Uh, now is the time to submit your questions. If you're here in the house, you can jump on the chat room. I've got my iPad up here with the chat room. Um, and uh, I'll just do a quick note that Cecilia was the first on the website who's here in house to do the uh, <laughs> to answer well, all the values. So they get both hats. Well, you have matching hats. That's good. We'll, That's good. we'll make that work out. And uh, Chantel on Facebook was the first one. So we'll be messaging you to get your address, Chantel, to get you your hat. So um, awesome. Uh, we have one question so far here online. It is also from Cecilia. And how do you forgive someone who hasn't acknowledged that they've wronged you? It's a hard one, isn't it? Um, I think that may be the hardest. Um, somebody who's deeply wounded you. And I, unfortunately, I think those are the ones that are the hardest to forgive. Um, because as human beings, we want justice and fairness, and we want the other person to say, yeah, I messed up. But in the hardest situations, those people aren't going to do that. Either they're blind to it, or they don't care, or they meant to do it, um, and that you're not going to get a, a forgiveness. And, and fortunately or unfortunately, Jesus does not make that a requirement for forgiving. He doesn't say, if they ask for forgiveness, you must forgive them. He says, you have to forgive. And again, going back to Jesus on the cross, he forgave before anybody asked him for that forgiveness. And that's what I think is difficult about the journey. And that's why I think it's divine to forgive because it really requires something beyond, I think, our normal human experience to be able to forgive somebody who's absolutely unapologetic for what they've done. That all sounds pretty good, but <laughs> <laughs> how does the experience of forgiveness impact the forgiver? How does the impact of forgiving impact the person who's doing the forgiving? Yes. I think it goes to, the, it, it, it provides freedom. It allows them to move on with their life. Um, in the case of, of a person who hasn't asked for forgiveness, but is forgiven. Um, remember that we said that forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. So if somebody hasn't asked for, asked for forgiveness, I don't believe that you necessarily need to be reconciled to them, but you do need to forgive them. And so I think that what forgiveness does is it allows me to move on, to say, I've done what I need to do here. And I can now go ahead and let go of that and live my life fully. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Stan? <laughs> I actually think that forgiveness is uh, surrender. I really think that it's really all about the forgiver to surrender what's in their heart, especially a believer, to say, Christ, for whatever reason, that hurt me because of the absence of this. And because I'm understanding your love, I release that. So then it's really not about the other person. It's about me and my relationship with God. So that's kind of how I'm growing with this whole concept about forgiveness, taking it out of a duty, but more so taking it out of an experience and a surrender of myself to say, God, feel me that I might not have that negativity inside. So that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. I like it. We've got a lot of questions pouring in now. Um, Trafina has, has a good one here. Uh, what is the difference between forgiving sins and forgiving people? <laughs> forgiving sins and forgiving people. What's the difference between the two? How can you, can you forgive sins maybe? 
but not forgive the person or is it uh, well, is going, that back, going back to that, um, those, uh, those bullet points that I was sharing that I, I borrowed from Patsy, Patsy Rodriguez, we forgive actions, we don't forgive people. In other words, we're not forgiving you for being you, we're forgiving you for something you've done. And I, I think that's an important distinction to be made, um, that we're forgiving you for something that you have done. So we're forgiving you for a sin or a debt. And the interesting thing is in Matthew 6, there are two different words. In the first part, in the Lord's Prayer part of it, it's, it's a debt. And then in the part that, uh, that talked about if you don't forgive others' sins, you won't be forgiven. That's the actual word in the original language for sin. Um, and so I think Matthew's trying to make a point that... Um, that debts are something that's owed to you. And sins can be the same way that when somebody sins, it can feel like there's a debt there to you. But we have, to, we have a duty just like we would discharge a debt to discharge the sins that people have done to us. Hmm. There are so many questions coming in. This is probably your last chance to Put them in if you're here watching live. Um, and if we don't get to them, there is a podcast that we put out on Wednesdays. Um, here's another one, uh, another good one. Uh, it's from Byron who asks, who gets to choose or how does one choose the restitution when one has wronged another? You know, I had something really powerful happen to me. I had somebody close to me in my life who had, um, had really wronged, had wronged me. And uh, they were going through a 12-step program, and they showed up. I can't remember which step it is, but there's a step that's, that deals with restitution. And they showed up, and they, they went through what they knew they had done to hurt me. They asked me if there was anything else that I, they, they needed to know about. And then they asked me, what can I do, if anything, to make these things right? And so I think that instead of us trying to figure out what, to, what we need to do, I think the right thing is to say, Stanton, I've hurt you. I think I could have an idea of some things I could do, but what would make, what would make it square for you? What would make it right for you? Um, but we sometimes have a hesitancy because we're afraid of what, what the bill might be. Um, <laughs> but I've, in my experience, when you go and say that to somebody, they're so taken back that often... It's, it's actually just it's an incredible healing. When this person had that conversation with me, it, it brought us together and has kept us together since. It, it kind of reminds me of um, what happens in a film called Lord Save Us From Your Followers, um, where there's um, people going to a parade of wronged people. I'll just keep it vague. And they set up a forgiveness booth for those people. And uh, the results are amazing. So to just yeah. go out there and directly interact with, with yeah. those that we've wronged. Dan Merchant, who made the movie, um, <clears throat> great guy, um, borrowed that from uh, the book Blue, uh, Blue, uh, Blue Like Jazz. Did I get mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, by Donald Miller. And uh, yeah, they set up, and I think we just say, they set up a, uh, a, uh, a, a confessional during gay pride in, in Portland, mm-hmm. Oregon, and apologized for the way that Christians have treated people in the LGBTQ community. And I think that those apologies are, are overdue with the way the hate that has been focused at that community, rather than having a, a civil and Christ-like conversation about it, we've, we've turned it into hate and anger. And so I, I love that movie and I love the, uh, the thought behind it. Hmm. Hmm. 
so many good ones coming in. Uh, Stanton, Stanton yeah. I think you have a question. I'll, I'll try to decide between all of these. Oh, okay. I, uh, you put up the interpreter as the movie, and the line that really struck me was, life isn't always just. And I was trying to place that in the realm of forgiveness. Because, hey, after all, when I forgive you, as you mentioned, I want you to say something. And oftentimes, there may not be anything to be said. <clears throat> so how do you reconcile that line? Life isn't always just. I really think that goes to um, the children's story that we watched in Jesus' parable on this topic about, about forgiveness. And I think that we, we really like it when the scale tips our way um, when it comes to justice right? When we're forgiven, we really, we know that we deserved it, right? <laughs> we're like, well, you know, I was coming from a good place, or I didn't mean to do this, or, and I want to be forgiven. So we like it when the scale tips that way. We're a little less enthusiastic when the scale tips the other way, and that's why we're going to talk about grace next Sabbath. <laughs> awesome. All right. This is our last question. There's two or three that I still didn't get to answer, so maybe check out, check out the chat room later. But two people asked the same question. Why is it so hard to forgive yourself. Mm. Wow. I'm, I feel like I need some time to ponder that. <laughs> I think that the reason, uh, for me, the reason why I have a hard time forgiving myself is, is because it comes back in my memory and, and I, I relive it. And when I see the person, I relive it and it comes back and there's that temptation to not believe that Christ's grace is sufficient. Um, and so I think that um, because we know we have the power over our actions, sometimes we really struggle with the actions that we've done. I have the hardest time hearing that, you know, God forgives all sins. It's always pursuing us. There's nothing we can do when it's about myself. I'm like, about them, totally. I, I get it. But when it's about myself, I have such a hard time going, oh, it is, you know. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time for these no, questions. No, forgive me. I want one more question. <laughs> forgiveness, forgiveness. But, um, make sure you check out the podcast this week. I think this is a really deep topic and that there's going to be a lot of discussion there. Uh, it's available everywhere that podcasts are heard or uh, listened to. So check that out. I think it's still called 15 with Andy Rand. We actually Andy have Randy a new name, Jeff. We're debuting it this week. Oh, debuting it this week. Awesome. Yeah. Do you, you want to reveal that now? Or I no? haven't asked Andy or Randy if it's okay to do it, but <laughs> I think it. Uh, we went with something that I, I really liked. We're calling it This Is Whole Life. This Is Whole Life. Is whole All right, life. awesome. Look for that podcast, and I believe we're doing it dual. We're putting it on the old one and on a new one is what Randy told me. So awesome. Look for that there. We thank you guys so much for participating with us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Hi, this is Randy McGray podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. 
Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.